Welcome to ACNL in Action, brought to you by the Association of California Nurse Leaders. I'm your host, Charlene Platon. In a recent episode, we talked a bit about the growing number of nurses considering leaving the profession due to burnout. It should come as no surprise that nurses who enjoy their work and find meaning in the profession are less likely to leave. But how do we get there? Our guest today is Dr. Lee Galeska, Director of Nursing Practice, Education, and Research for UCLA Health. She oversees the professional development and lifelong learning opportunities for more than 4,500 nurses, the Nursing Evidence-Based Practice and Research Programs, and the Magnet Recognition Process. A focus of Lee's research has been on helping nurses find joy and meaning in their work. She's written extensively on the subject in journals such as Nursing Administration Quarterly and the Journal of Nursing Administration, and she's also a frequent speaker on the topic at conferences. We'll talk about why it's important for nurses to find meaning in their work, what we can say to nurses who think enjoying their work is just another obligation, and of course, how we as organizations, managers, and individuals can bring more joy and meaning to the profession. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Galeska. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, Charlene. So you've done a lot of presentations and scholarly writings on finding joy and meaning in work, including a webinar that you did for ACNL a couple of years ago. How did you get interested in this niche? Tell us more about that. Well, uh, my co-investigators and I first became interested when we heard Lucian Leap and colleagues at the National Patient Safety Foundation talk about the importance of nurses, physicians, and all healthcare workers being able to find joy and meaning in the experience of providing care. So we began to think, well, what does that look like for nurses? What brings them meaning and joy? And are they experiencing it? Or what contributes to that? What you know makes that possible? So we, of course, went to the literature and found that there was very little published um, about meaning and joy in nursing practice. So we decided to conduct a qualitative study to understand the lived experience of nurses. Judy and I are both um, qualitative researchers. And so we, we really thought we, could, we would begin there, understanding the lived experience. And then we could figure out how to do more of it. That's great. Thank you for sharing. And I, I love the question about how does this look like for nurses? And absolutely love that you dived into that research. And something that you've talked about in your presentations is the evolution of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement or IHI's triple aim into the quadruple aim. And for listeners who aren't aware, could you talk a bit about what that means and why it's important? Sure. Um, you know, Don Berwick um, and colleagues at the IHI um, they wrote a, what is now a landmark paper about the AAA, and they said that transformation of the U.S. healthcare system would require simultaneous pursuit of three aims, improving the health of populations, improving the experience of care, and reducing the cost of care. So that was ultimately adopted as a, like a worldwide set of guiding principles for healthcare reform. But at the time, there was absolutely no acknowledgement of the important role of healthcare workers um, and the, that they played in the process and so it wasn't until almost a decade later when Lucian Leap and the, the National Patient Safety Foundation um, began to talk about, well, you know, we can't really achieve that unless we make sure that the people who are providing the care are finding meaning and joy in their work. Um, so that's, you know, it really took that long for people to say, wait a second, <laughs> um, you know, we can't achieve the triple aim without thinking about this fourth aim. So that became the quadruple aim, um, adding that fourth one of improving the experience of providing care. But still, at that point, that's when we started doing our research around, you know, around 2018 or so. Um, 
we we wanted to understand what it meant for nurses and how we can produce more of it. Um, so it really was an evolution, starting with the triple aim, adding the the fourth aim, and and now actually they're adding a fifth aim, which is around equity, Ooh. diversity, and inclusion. I love that. Yeah, that is yeah. great. Yeah, so we're gonna have a very long set of aims pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love where everything is aiming towards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's and, really about providing great care for people and then, you know, and mm-hmm. taking care of the people who, who take care of them. So. Absolutely. And I'm curious mm-hmm. what your thoughts are too, as to why it took such a while to become the triple aim from the triple aim to the quadruple aim. Any thoughts about why that might've taken as the, the time that it did? It really, you know, wasn't unusual at that time for people to be really emphasizing the patient-centeredness of healthcare, and really focusing on that, and not wanting to be distracted by thinking about, you know, the other people. But you know, ultimately, you know, with a lot of discussion and further exploration, it really became evident that you know we can't do that un- unless we're taking care of the people who are, are taking care of the patients. Right. Absolutely. And I do know there really has been a focus largely on patient-centered care, and that is very significant to our practice. But, you know, we've also heard as nurses that we are the most trusted profession, and we have been for the past 20 years now. And, you know, when it comes to talking about ourselves and our own self-care, what do we know about how nurses feel about ourselves or how do nurses feel about themselves in general? Do nurses really find as much meaning in the job as the public seems to think that they might? Or what what is the difference between these dichotomies about the public's eye and, and the trust in the profession versus nurses and what their thoughts are on the profession? Well, you know, I, I think they're actually pretty well aligned. And, and when, when we started to study this, um, um, nurse meeting and joy in their practice, the first thing that nurses wanted to tell us was about why they became a nurse. And, you know, there was this feeling of a sense of purpose uh, that they wanted to be able to make a difference in people's lives. And for some people, it was also alignment with their own personal values or spiritual beliefs. But, uh, you know, really, it was about, you know, kind of fulfilling a purpose. And so when they got into practice, what they really found to be most meaningful was making that human connection. And, you know, oftentimes it was with patients and families, of course, but also with their colleagues. But human connection was really, really uh, critical. And so they talked about getting to know the person or the patient as a person and being able to do the little things that made a difference for them. And often wasn't the big life-saving things that brought meaning to nurses. It was the little things that they saw the relief on a patient's face, or they got a very, um, very authentic thank you from a family member. Um, And when they could see their positive impact, that's what brought them joy. And so they often, you know, talked about that. And when you think about this, you know, getting to know patients as individuals and, um, and the patient, the public perception of nurses, I think it really aligns. They really do believe that nurses genuinely want to help, that they're willing to take the time to get to know them as a person and do what's meaningful for them. And so um, they don't see a lot of other members of the healthcare team in that same way. And so it's really gratifying for both the nurse and the patient or family and and colleagues at times, uh, when we get to know each other as people and we do those really meaningful little things that tell people we care about them and we're there to make a difference um, in their lives. So that makes people trust you when they think it's really genuine, authentic uh, acts of caring and human connection. Right. It's a very unique opportunity as a nurse to be able to build this really strong relationship that 
um, even other members in the healthcare team might not be able to experience on that um, level or to that extent. Yeah. So it's, it really is an honor and a privilege to be, to be um, the trusted, most trusted profession for the past 20 years. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, the elephant in the room is COVID-19, uh, the pandemic that we've been living through. And can you talk about how the pandemic has affected nurses' levels of joy and meaning in their profession? Do you think it's made things better, worse? What's your take on that? Well, I think that COVID and all the societal and political stressors have made it very difficult for nurses. Um, they still experience those powerful moments of human connection with patients, especially those nurses who were with the patients when nobody else was in their final moments of life. Uh, families couldn't be here. Other members of the team weren't there. It was nurses who were continuing to make those connections, holding people's hands, witnessing their last breaths. Um, and so, you know, that was really still very powerful and meaningful for nurses, but it was also somewhat heartbreaking. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is that um, during that period, nurses were innovating and creating new ways of meeting patient care needs during these incredibly vulnerable times while keeping everybody safe. And, you know, so that too was very meaningful. So there were some, you know, kind of different sources of meaning. Um, but, you know, what we've seen along with COVID is been an increase in the um, uncivil behavior. So um, nurses are experiencing this more and more every day, um, exposure to, to verbal as well as physical violence in the healthcare sitting, uh, settings. So, you know, that has resulted in nurses feeling burnt out and, you know, wondering, you know, if they're in the right profession. Uh, lots of staffing challenges with people being legitimately out um, for, with leaves of absence with COVID for themselves or family members, um, you know, a lot of sick time. So there's been a lot of staffing challenges also nurses kind of rethinking what's most important in their own lives and maybe moving back to home if they had you know, moved away or different things like that. So there were a lot of stressors and you know, the staffing challenges have kind of complicated that. And there were also those fears for their own safety and their family's safety. So they were sort of caught in this ethical dilemma of fulfilling their purpose, you know, what they were called to do as a nurse caring for patients, but in this increasingly hostile environment. So you know, now we've seen that nurses are beginning to rethink their practice settings in particular, when nurses are looking for other practice settings where there's less exposure to some of that volatility. Um, and sometimes they're rethinking their profession. So we are really in a, a, a crisis state right now uh, in terms of you know, compassion fatigue, the levels of burnout and uh, nurse turnover. Absolutely. It is a big challenge. And we, we do know that burnout had existed long before COVID had even hit. So sure. the question of burnout has always been, there has always been the presence of it, but the pandemic had really exacerbated a lot of these challenges. And, and I think even placed, you know, um, a burden that we hadn't seen before on the healthcare system and on our nursing professionals. Yeah. And, and so now more than ever, it's really important to find joy in our work and to be able to find this purpose despite these challenges. And, and on that note, you know, there are some nurses who might find joy and meaning in their work um, during this challenging time, but for others, they might um, think of nursing as just a job. Um, you know, they might clock in and clock out and find meaning outside of their job. And why, in your opinion, is it important for nurses to find meaning um, here in nursing specifically or within their profession? 
Yeah, you know, meaning and joy are important for all of us. I think even in the popular literature, we're seeing a lot more of this uh, discussion of purpose and the, and the need for people to feel some purpose in their work and, and find um, meaning in what they're doing. And um, it, it is, it's everywhere. Um, uh, Martin Seligman, who was uh, a positive, he was really the father of positive psychology, talked about well-being. And he had a theory of well-being, and it included a, an acronym called PERMA. So the, the elements of well-being were positive emotions. So that's the P. And so joy can be considered, you know, one of those positive emotions. E, engagement. And when we are really engaged in the work of nursing, which, you know, when we talk to nurses, they really are. But, you know, just getting to know people and the, the little things about them, that's a sign of engagement. They're all in. M is for meaning, meaningful work. And so that gives, brings us a sense of fulfillment in our lives that we're actually making a contribution to society that is, you know, impactful. That's, that's a really important part of our well-being. Um, oh, I forgot the R. <laughs> so PERMA, <laughs> you know, so positive emotions, engagement, R is relationships. And we talked about human connection and how important that was. And so relationships with the patients and families, relationships with our colleagues, so important. And, um, and we know this in nursing that, you know, that sense of being part of a team is really powerful. And then we talked about meaningfulness. And then A is for accomplishment or achievement. And we've seen nurses being so proud of the impact that they have. And again, not just the little things that they do, the big things that they do. We just celebrated nurses um, in Nurses Week. And, you know, um, just it's so powerful to recognize the difference that they've been making over the course. Even during the pandemic, our nurses were eliminating infections. So we had, you know, units that have had 12 or 24 months with no infections. Incredible accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And so that gives you a sense, too, of fulfillment and of well-being. So you have that theory of well-being. And so meaning and joy are two components of that. And so if we're experiencing those two things in our work, we're able to flourish as people and as professionals. And that's really the goal of well-being theory is to help people experience human flourishing. And what a beautiful notion to have is to be able to flourish in your work as a nurse. So it's really generative. It fuels us. It fuels our fulfillment, our sense of accomplishment as we take on this very challenging work in nursing. So it really contributes to our satisfaction at work our engagement and important outcomes for our patients and our organization. So it really is so important that nurses are able to experience that and not just nurses, but, you know, all our colleagues too in healthcare who got into this for, for those reasons, but, you know, are, you know, maybe in a different discipline, but still, still making those significant contributions. Absolutely. And I do feel that there is more focus now a lot more on the fulfillment and the meaning and the purpose of our nurses as they pursue the work in their healthcare systems. And what are your thoughts on in terms of what healthcare systems can do to make sure that these different factors are included in the nurses work or just any any um, types of advice that you might have for organizations to to help promote this um, well-being theory? Well, there are a lot of things that we can do, and some of them are very simple things. Um, and storytelling is one, for instance. And a simple thing that a nurse manager could do today or tomorrow is open a staff meeting with, you know, have nurses share a meaningful moment they had with a patient over the last week or yesterday. Um, 
So sharing our stories, so then that sort of rekindles people's purpose and their passion for the work that they're doing. And it's contagious because when you share your meaningful moment, then somebody thinks of a meaningful moment that they had. And next thing you know, there's smiles all around because people are thinking, well, oh, yeah, wow. You know, and that's something we often heard in our studies when nurses would describe this is they would say, wow, I never realized the impact that I had on, on that person. So that's a very simple thing that we can start to do right away. Um, but, you know, as we think about kind of the big strategy for how we produce more meaning and joy in people's lives and in their work, um, it's important to think about what's the evidence out there. And most recently, in addition to our studies, there've been, there's work that's been done by the Association for um, Nurses in Critical Care. So AACN has created the Healthy Work Environment Standards because one of the enablers we found for meaning and joy in work was being able to practice in a healthy work environment. And those environments include, you know, authentic transformational leaders. They include uh, a sense of being able to work in a team and be able to be valued and respected as a team member and be able to collaborate, safe staffing, um, and just uh, good communication. All of those things contribute to a healthy work environment, and, and those environments make it possible for us to find meaning and joy. Okay, so those are some important things we can do. There's also the National Academies of Science, um, Engineering, and Medicine that recently um, produced a report, a consensus report from across the nation, experts across the nation, and all the evidence. And they put together really essentially a roadmap for us. And there are uh, essentially interventions at three levels. There's the individual level. And there's no denying that each one of us has an obligation for our own self-care, for our own well-being. And there are many things we can do. And that's where we've seen a lot in the literature too about, you know, you can do yoga, you can do adopt mindfulness practices, you can, you know, get better sleep, make sure you're taking care of your nutrition, your hydration, all of those kinds of things. And yes, we all have an obligation to do that, but that's insufficient really in order for us to be able to um, assure that we are staying well and able to continue the, the very challenging work that we do. There are interventions that have to happen at the team or unit level, which I mentioned sort of some things that the nurse manager can do right away. Um, but then also at the organizational level and at the national and system level, there are things that we have to take on at the national level, staffing um, across the country. You know, how are we uh, producing enough nurses to fill the, the staffing needs? We're, we're estimated to be about a half a million nurses short by 2025. Mm -hmm. That's a huge number. So how are we going to close those gaps? It's not something that any unit can solve or any individual organization can solve. We need national solutions. So we're starting to see legislation introduced um, to really address the well-being of, of clinical staff, as well as uh, burnout to try to reduce those. But the National Academies of Medicine has really put together a nice roadmap outlining strategies at each of those levels. Um, and we're all going to have to really get engaged. You know, it's really a call to action. Right. And, you know, I was I was really pleased to see it because our qualitative studies sort of pointed us in that direction. And then the AACN had healthy work environment standards. So I put together a crosswalk between, you know, the, the qualitative studies, the AACN standards, the IHI joy and work uh, recommendations, and then also the, the NAM recommendations. And it really, they're so well aligned. The evidence is right, all right there. It's really incumbent upon us now to take the action. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we can't just kind of sit by and say, oh, well, you know, just nurses go out there and do a little bit more mindfulness or a little bit more yoga. We have to actually take action um, to, to solve these problems. We have to create we have to create an environment where there's no tolerance for incivility or bullying. 
We have mm-hmm. to create, you know, as I said, the staffing solutions. We have to develop our leaders so that they have the time to be with their staff because that brings them fulfillment when they can actually spend the time with their staff, help to grow and develop that staff so that they can see them flourish themselves. You know, that brings a lot of meaning and joy to nurse managers. So we've got to help them find that kind of time. We've got to help them find the time to take care of themselves. So Mm -hmm. they have to have enough time for self-care, for their own leadership development, and to spend time to spend with patients and families, which is their call uh, to a purpose as well, and then time with their their staff, as I mentioned. So um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot that we need to do to take care of our managers who then take care of our staff, create the the practice conditions where staff can really thrive and flourish um, in the work of nursing. So so the roadmap is there. I'm glad to include some of these references for you um, to have, you know, with the podcast so that, you know, people can have access to some of these very easy to, some very easy to do and some that are going to be really challenging are going to take all of us working together across the nation to solve some of these very, you know, kind of persistent thorny problems, um, wicked problems. Right. <laughs> right, absolutely. And we will include those links um, for everyone listening for to have that available for you all. And, and it sounds like from what you've mentioned, um, Dr. Galuska, there is a lot of work to be done in a really multi-pronged approach because well-being is very complex. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of people who are involved. There's the different levels that you mentioned, you know, there's the individual level, but there's also the leadership level, the organizational level, legislative level, and all these different components sounds like we'll need to have all hands on on deck if we really want to rethink well-being and really support our our workforce in a way that is meaningful and relevant for the nurses um, who are experiencing so many challenges during this time. Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's hard to do, but I'm I'm really glad to see that there are publications and reports just like what you mentioned with the National Academies of Medicine. And there's also the Future of Nursing report as well. Would you want to um, talk about that? Yeah, I mean, the future of nursing report really envisioned us, uh, you know, being leaders as well as partners in the transformation of healthcare. And uh, if, if we're going to do that effectively, we've got to take care of the people. And that's, you know, really creating the conditions where it's physically and psychologically safe for people to innovate and take risks and try new models of doing things so that they can really start to make a difference in the lives of, of communities. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're moving out of the acute care setting, moving out into the ambulatory and community settings. And, you know, there's a lot of work that's needed there, too. And nurses are really well positioned to be the ones who connect with patients and families and communities and understand uh, what is it that they need and really engage in health promotion and prevention. And that's really what we're talking about with nurses, too, is health promotion and prevention so that then, you know, then they can really fulfill their higher level um, you know, purpose in life. So, um, you know, so I think that if we do this well, um, we'll not only solve the staffing crisis, but we'll really be positioning nurses to lead as well as partner in that transformation that is very much needed um, in, in our healthcare system in the United States and indeed globally. Right. It's so great to see that the future of nursing has included these different aspects and including um, other very important topics, just like health equity, inclusion, as you mentioned with like the fifth aim, for example, it's great to see these different components being tied in to a very important model for nursing as we move forward in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do want to highlight, as we've talked about throughout this conversation, you know, burnout is extremely um, challenging right now for nurses. And a lot of nurses are feeling overworked 
And how can we approach, you know, the work-life balance of nurses who, you know, who want to be able to spend time to themselves and take care of themselves, but then also are facing a lot of work at home and maybe might feel like it's challenging to not be able to delegate or what can we do about this work-life balance in such a challenging time? Yeah, I mean, I think um, there are a lot of folks looking at creative staffing models now. So we're hearing a lot about innovation in healthcare. Um, you know, and it won't be as simple as just going back to team nursing. Right. <laughs> um, you know, we're really going to have to think about it differently. Um, you know, and there won't be a, a one size all fit all solution. You know, we're going to have to have multiple different solutions. One of the ones that we are writing about right now is. Um, uh, and it's also was presented as a best practice at the Magnet Conference is this idea of a blended role or a dual role. In our cardiothoracic ICU, this was a nurse manager who got to know her people as people um, and listened to them. And some of them were looking for, you know, a, a new opportunity or growth opportunity, uh, wanted to expand their skill sets. And so rather than lose them to another setting where they could do that, this nurse manager worked with them to give them opportunities to expand that skill set. Maybe some of them actually um, learned how to become a member of the clinical surveillance team and the rapid response team. Others learned how to do do ECMO. Um, And so so they had a way to stay on that staff, but have some of these other opportunities in other practice settings. we had a nurse who was needed to get out of the CTICU setting. So she went to the NICU, but she comes back regularly to work in the CTICU. We have another nurse in the PACU mm-hmm. who um, wants to become a CRNA. So he, he works in the CTICU periodically in a, a kind of a borrowed basis to cover their staffing needs. But at the same time, he's developing his skill set that he's going to need as a CRNA. So, you know, this is just a creative staffing model, but it stems from a nurse manager, an authentic leader, listening to her staff, getting to know them as people, and then working with them, co-creating the conditions where they will be stimulated and learn and grow and stay with the organization. Um, And, you know, it kind of solves the staffing problem and also helps. And these are millennials. And this is, you know, there's been some new research around millennials and what they're looking for, um, for retention. And these are some of the factors. And so we're starting to see that play out. And then these nurses stay with the organization and are part of the staffing solution, not all of it, but one piece of it. That's great. I love the collaborative model with um, nurses and how they can, how we can all really come together to find solutions for problems that we identify. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel that I could talk with you for so much longer on this topic. This is something that I'm really, um, you know, passionate about myself. And this is a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. But as we close this conversation, I do want to ask about you and what do you find most meaningful about your work in particular? Well, um, a lot of things, but um, the the most meaningful thing for me is being able to work with nurses um, to create the conditions where they can flourish and to be able to practice in alignment with their purpose and to see them being able to make a meaningful difference for themselves and their patients and their colleagues. We just uh, had the DAISY Awards last week and we heard the stories of nurses who were able to practice in this way and the difference they made for the patients and families they served, but how they were fulfilled in that process and how they were an inspiration to their colleagues in that process, including me. So that's where I I feel a lot of, um, really a lot of uh, gratitude that I'm able to work in an organization where we can create those those conditions where nurses can really experience meaning and joy in their practice. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. And thank you so much for your contributions 
you are doing amazing work and where can people find find you or learn about you how can they connect with you if they want to learn more about about your work well certainly they can email me at ucla um so it's elgaluska at um, mednet.ucla.edu or on linkedin um, or through acno if you're a member um so you know lots of different ways um i'll also you know share so that it can be shared with the podcast how to how to reach me so Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Galeska. It was wonderful to have you today on our show. Oh, well, it was really wonderful to be able to talk with you today, Charlene. Thank you. Thank you. And our guest today was Dr. Lee Galeska, Director of Nursing Practice, Education, and Research for UCLA Health. We'd love to hear your feedback. Email us at socialmedia at acnl.org and connect with us on LinkedIn and Facebook at ACNL Nurse. And as always, if you like the show, please remember to rate, review, and share. ACNL in Action is presented by the Association of California Nurse Leaders with new episodes on the first Friday of every month. To learn more about the show or ACNL in general, visit us at acnl.org. Thank you for listening.